0: Welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. Hi, this is Angie Reno, and the holidays are over. Yes. I um, am really glad to put them behind me because this was, well, 2021 was the first year that I approached the holidays with a 12 step program. And It was kind of cool because every time I got anxious, I kind of said, okay, what about today? There's a gentleman that's in my recovery ecosystem. He's phenomenal. And uh, I was really worried about something in the middle of the summer of of 2021. And he just looked at me and said, Angie, that's why we go on 24-hour increments. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can handle that. So just go to work, go to the gym, and that's it. And I survived. And I actually had a pretty good holiday season too. So, uh, for me personally, I'll open up that window a bit. There's a lot of anniversaries right around Christmas time and New Year's. I think I mentioned this in the earlier episodes that uh, I guess I have a sense of humor. I don't know, but I did enter my qualifier into a treatment program on the 31st. So, that was. <laughs> That was uh, their New Year's Eve plans. And it's it. what I love about the program and how much work my qualifier has done is it's now kind of a joke. And that's awesome. Um, let's see. What else? So I have a huge commitment to sharing free resources that can help anybody and everybody in the recovery process. And I have found an amazing discovery, Rich Roll Podcast. It's the The Rich Roll Podcast if you're searching it on your podcast provider applications. And the one episode that I discovered, the first one I discovered was episode 644, 644. It is entitled Addiction and Recovery Masterclass. It is amazing. It is just amazing. Now ritual does come from the addict's perspective. I am definitely focused on the family members perspective, how we as a family member can support our qualifiers. I've said this before. Mine is my son and I am definitely coming from the parent perspective. And the more that I learn, both at research level, neuroscience level, and uh, from my recovery leaders in my recovery ecosystem, is that the more work that family members do, the higher the success rate is for the recovering addict or the recovering child who's struggling with a substance use disorder. And I'm learning a lot of the 12-step programs are even applicable to behavioral challenges. I'm not going to go there because I don't have the experience to go there. So I'm going to stay in the SUD realm, substance use disorder realm, because that's what I'm doing. That's where I'm working. But back to this discovery, it is a fantastic insight and view into the addict's challenges. And the longer I am in the recovery community, the greater my respect is for the recovering addict. So please check that out, The Rich Roll Podcast, Episode 644, and enjoy. So how are we going to start off 2022? I thought about so much of what I tackled last year, and it it really is convoluted because I was thrown into a world that I completely didn't understand and that I had to learn about probably within a condensed timeframe of I want to say five to one. A five to one ratio, meaning in my mind, is that it probably took five years to develop. And I'm having to learn all of this information in one year to kind of catch up to what created that chaos and how I can help understand both my part and what I can and cannot influence. And by the end of the year, I realized very quickly that the only thing I can influence is myself. The recovery community is steeped with information. It is steeped with science. It is steeped with experts. One of my favorite is Anna Lemke. She has a book out right now called The Dopamine Nation. And she had an interview with Ritual also, which I strongly recommend to listen to. I don't have the episode number right now. One of the most profound things that I heard in that is that addiction touches everyone. The socioeconomic class is not there. It's it's probably one of the most unbiased afflictions of humanity, really. It is influenced by trauma, but there are people that can be raised in a wonderful home with two loving, caring, and structured parents, and that person can also develop an, add- an addiction. As I did go through the 12 steps, I remembered that there was a big focus on shame. And then I started listening to the parts of letting go. I also started listening to the aspect of control. And I'm listening to the 12 steps I'm listening to all these neuroscience podcasts, I'm reading all these books, and I'm kind of in awe at how the 12-step program that was developed in the early part of the 1900s can align with so much of what we're discovering right now within the neuroscience field. What I'm going to do in this episode is tackle the concept of powerlessness in the in the first step, and as it relates to neuroscience, yeah, just just like that's that's all I'm going to tackle. I mean, that's so huge in and of itself. I'm like, okay, <laughs> way to set the bar, right, on your first episode of 2022. Okay, so I'm going to try to give this a shot. The psychology of controlling behavior comes into play if you are a parent and you find out that your child is doing drugs. The situation is obviously not one that you planned for. The goal, the outcome is looming. The worst case scenario, most likely, well, for me, it was (laughs) the worst case scenario is rolling around in your thoughts, your process, your daily um, thinking. And what happens is you start to want to engage, control the outcome, change the direction of the chaos. The, what I have seen, in this existed in my own situation, and a lot of parents that I talked to in groups and 12-step programs, and also group therapy and in, in intensive therapy. I mentioned that I went to the Evoke Therapies intensives, which was excellent. Strongly recommend it. What happens is when the parents start dialoguing, we all come to the realization that most of the drug use had been going on by the time it got to the point of treatment, at least one year, if not multiple years. So I almost want to say, let's just sit and rest with that for a while, but I'm on a podcast. So Uh, so what happens when that is realized what happens when that comes to the point of, I've got to put my child into treatment. There is a strong desire to control the outcome. There is a strong desire to get your child healthy and back on the quote-unquote right track. The first step says we have to admit we were powerless. I don't know how much better that one step can relate to the point where a parent is at when they realize that they have to put someone they love into a treatment center. The alignment is perfect. So what's going on inside the brain? Now, when you go into scientific studies, I'm not a scientist, not going to even try to go there, but a lot of what you read is the impact of dopamine and the amygdala when situations come into play, such as Entering a situation of chaos, entering a situation when you're finding out that your kid's taking drugs, how to combat that, you know, I mean, you're looking at something that is probably one of the most important things in your life. And all these external influences, friends, situations, school, all of these things you can't control. So going back into the dopamine, the amygdala, the fight or flight response. There's so much happening inside your brain at a neuroscience level. And there's so much happening inside your body at a physiological level. Your heart rate, your breathing, the stress levels, all of this is going on. And getting both yourself and your child back to baseline is a huge task. The irony of that first step is that it directly aligns with so much of what we're discovering today. Nearly 100 years later, at a neuroscience level, when we look at brain waves and look at all the data that's coming in about how the brain reacts when it is in a restful state versus a high state, a high highly activated state of trying to achieve goals, the dopamine rush, and a skewed and unbalanced dopamine baseline, a dopamine level where you're emotionally healthy, your well-being is solid, you're not constantly activated. And again, follow Anna Lemke, don't follow me on, on how this works. So the Admitting to yourself and others that you're powerless over what is going on, it is a way to give yourself really a break. You can't control what's going on with the addict, and the addict can't control their addiction. There's an interesting article in Neuroscience News, and it's entitled Memories from Barrier to Letting Go of Objects for People Who Hoard. It's a completely different subject, but when I was reading it, I realized that one of the hardest things that I had to do as a parent was to let go of my expectation of where I should be in my relationship with my son. This is, ironically, one of the biggest hurdles that so many of the parents that I've been with and myself included in the parent groups have to overcome That vision of what was to be. And I don't have any kind of research that I can quote or I can put into the show notes for you on what that memory impact of holding that baby, you know, playing with that young child has on how we're reacting to the current situation when we're dealing with the addiction. I could imagine that it is profound. I do know, and I've provided the research in previous episodes, and I'll attach it again to the show notes here, is that the readiness to support change is incredibly impactful on the addict's success in the program, as it is in creating that new family structure. So what does happen when you change something? You've got to let go of previous expectations, previous norms, previous structures. So at a neuroscience level, is that one step, the first part of rewiring your neuroplasticity? I think it is. I have zero degrees to support that thought, but I think it is. So yeah, that's pretty much my really high level layman's point of view on step one and neuroscience. But anyway, so I'm going to go through the other steps too and kind of attach it to what I'm reading at a neuroscientific level, at a psychology level, and I'm going to attach it to how we can get there in our brains, CBT, EMDR, and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. That's really hard to say, fast. (laughs) But I do know that that has provided my own son some amazing results. And I'm just so pleased about that. And uh, yeah, to reemphasize too, it's great to listen to all these podcasts. It's great to search up resources on the internet. But please, please get yourself a licensed therapist. The results will be profound and worthwhile. So that's all I have for right now. I'm pretty excited about 2022. I will continue to start looking for free resources like the Ritual podcast, like Anna Lemke, and I'll provide them in my show notes and always, always put them on my website for you. And if you're just entering this journey, it sounds very distant when I say this, but it could be one of the greatest journeys that you've ever been on in your entire life. So check out my website, www.siblinghoodofrecovery.com. I'm on Instagram, siblinghoodofrecovery, of Recovery, and I'll talk to you later. Have a good week.